are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I'm excited to be joined here today with Arun Kumar. He is the EVP of Data and AI for Hero Digital. Arun, welcome to the program. Thank you, Maribel. Thank you for having me. We are wrapping up the holiday season, and Arun has been kind enough to join us at the very last throes of the year uh, to talk about one of our favorite topics, AI. Uh, but before we get started, Arun, I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and about what Hero Digital does. Absolutely. Great to be on the podcast. And like you said, we are wrapping up the year, which has been a very exciting year um, with all the developments in AI, which I'm thrilled to talk about. I run the data and AI practice at Hero Digital. I've been here for about four plus years. And in my background, I've worked at uh, several large holding companies, such as WPP and Publicis. Hero Digital, per se, is a digital transformation company. We are a global organization. We are about 450-odd people, and we help our clients think through digital challenges and then help them accelerate towards what's coming in terms of the digital future. So we've been at it since 2014. We've uh, picked up a number of partners and colleagues along the way in terms of both acquisition and growth. And we are very excited for what 2024 is going to bring in terms of the acceleration of digital transformation with AI, because we believe that it's going to be fundamental to how companies operate if it's not already in many ways. And therefore, we are really pushing hard and you know pressing the accelerator on getting our AI offerings and our AI story out to the marketplace. Yeah. So what we like to do in the podcast, there's so many different dimensions of AI. There's you know, in the beginning of the podcast, it seems all we could talk about was chips, and then all we could talk about was cloud. And uh, now we're kind of diversifying and talking into people that uh, with people that have software stack, talking with people that have hardware stack, talking with people that are actually helping customers get over the deployment challenges with AI, which are quite significant. I actually stumbled across a um, report that she did about AI and and basically getting over some of the AI hurdles and making AI more successful within organizations. If you if you go back over the past couple of years, there's plenty of different statistics about how difficult it has been to actually have AI projects that were successful. So I thought maybe we could start there talking about what you see as some of the critical issues that must be addressed for an AI project to succeed. So yes, the report you referred to, Annabelle, is the AI readiness report that we recently launched. It's available on website. The biggest challenge that we have seen with AI projects not delivering the kind of results that people would expect is because folks jump into it at first because it's the new thing, it's the trend that everybody wants to follow. 
And they aren't really thinking about what are the business use cases that they're looking to solve. And because they aren't thinking through those business use cases, they aren't also able to evaluate if their organization is even ready to implement AI. And when I say ready, there's a number of parameters to sort of look for when you decide whether your organization is ready. One of them is, of course, the data, whether you have the right data. And there's a bunch of different parameters within the data uh, structure that you have to look for to make sure your org is ready. And then from a pure from a technology standpoint, you also need to make sure that you have the right tech in place. And then, of course, there's the people and the other uh, the legal and ethic ethics aspect of it. But to me, I think the biggest challenge is it's not a use case first mindset. It's the AI first mindset. I won't fault anybody for doing that. It's just the natural tendency because AI took off so it's been around since the 70s, as we know the technology per se. But since ChatGPT rolled around in October of 22, if I'm not mistaken, it has just exploded because there's a beautiful interface between humans and the machine that has helped democratize AI to an extent that's never been before. And therefore, everybody wants to hop on the bandwagon and they all feel that if we don't do something, we'll be left out. And then because of this desire to do something and to bring this technology into play, what has happened is that there has not been enough focus on, are we ready for this yet? And do we have the right processes, the right data and the right technology and the right people in place? And that's sort of what our report helps. And that's where we are uh, helping our clients figure out how to sort of get around some of these challenges. I love this concept of the AI mindset because it helps you reframe where you start the discussion of, of the problem. You mentioned the word data. Data is a word that we throw around a lot here at Live as Research. Uh, but you know, AI, like any other analysis project we've looked at, requires sometimes a lot of data, but mostly the right data to get the right outcomes. And there's been a lot of talk about data management and how it's more difficult than it's ever been. It's not a new problem. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while. But as you're out talking to organizations, what are some of the best practices or new ways of thinking about data management? And is it really any different in AI than it was in previous things that we tried to do? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that there are certain things that you need to take care of very specifically uh, with respect to AI. And no, in the sense that the discipline you need around the data function remains the same. So you need to be able to have all of your data in a single place that is you know, accessible to all relevant parts of the organization. The right data is feeding into that particular um, central warehouse or whatever you may want to call it. And there is a proper layer of privacy and governance on top of it. So as to make sure that we are checking off all the boxes that are required in order for us to be good stewards of the data. In terms of AI, what has changed a little bit is that there are certain specific things you want to look for in the data. And I think the most relevant one is the algorithm compatibility, because the most obvious and the most um, ready use case for using your data with AI is looking at an off-the-shelf LLM model, LLM, that is trainable to your organization. And the way you train it is you feed it with your data. So you have to make sure that the data that you have is compatible with the kind of algorithms that you're looking to set up in the organization. So algorithm compatibility was not something that we looked for 
previously because we weren't looking to satisfy um, any sort of algorithms there. So that's, I think, one thing that's a little bit different. Uh, actionability, that remains a core component. Like any data that you collect, you have to understand why you're collecting it. And that kind of goes back to the whole idea of building it up from use cases. But then also that act data needs to be actionable. Uh, and the pertinent example is that in financial services, while you may collect demographic data for certain purposes, that is not really actionable because of Fair um, Lending Act and all of those things. So you have to be very careful in terms of how you're collecting the data, what it's being collected for, and whether it's actionable or not. But this is not just purely for AI. This is data best practice that has been true forever. But the, I think the big differentiator is the algorithm compatibility and making sure that your data that you're collecting is suited to some of the algorithms. And, you know, of course, you don't collect data for the purpose of the algorithm. So there's a little bit of a dance there that you have to do to make sure that the, the AI models that you're picking for your business use case um, gel with the data you have. Because if you pick up an off-the-shelf off model and apply it, it's not going to give you the best results. You have to train it with your data, but then your data has to be in the form that the model is able to ingest. So it's a little bit of that dance there that you have to do, but I think that's the one big differentiator in the world of AI. But then, you know, the basic data um, hygiene practices stay the same. Okay, so I want to spend a minute talking about the algorithm selection. Um, we have two types of people that are listening broadly as categories to the podcast. Some of them are business leaders, some of them are technical leaders. When we talk about the algorithm compatibility, is this something that we still need data scientists for? Are we seeing other roles in an organization lean into that? Or how do we think about, because I, I think this is a really critical point, You know, now that we've got the large language models or, or foundation models of multiple types, uh, people just think we've got the easy button, right? So in some ways it's an easy button because there's so many things that we can do now that we couldn't do in the past. But in other ways, it still requires a certain amount of technical talent. So can you walk us through a little bit of how to think about that as an organization planning to build an AI strategy in 24? Absolutely. So I would say that this definitely makes the role of a data scientist even more critical because a big component of the algorithm compatibility and making sure your data is ready for the algorithm is uh, feature engineering. And I don't want to go into too much detail there, but the idea is that your data scientist is able to take that data and massage it such that it is compatible with the algorithm. But at the end of the day, the other aspect that you need to make sure that the algorithms that you're selecting are relevant to your use case, they're relevant to your industry, and they are actually solving the kind of business problem that you're looking to solve. So I would say that this is a very nice combination of a skill set of a data scientist and then a data strategist. Or it could even be a pure play business strategist because, again, AI is, of course, not the domain of just data scientists or data folks. It's the domain in some cases, in some ways, I would say it's the domain of everyone. But I would say business strategists combined with data scientists is where we've seen the most successful combination. And I'll give you an example. Uh, one of our clients, and it's actually in the, in the report, one of our clients wanted to look at uh, their call center data for the last three years to find out how they could reduce volume to the call center because you know that's what everyone wants to do. They don't want people calling if they don't have to call. So we analyzed about three years worth of data. And when we were running the analysis, we had a data scientist that was looking at the data purely from a model and algorithm perspective to understand 
you know, what kind of features they needed to uh, sort of set up in the data. But the other end, we also had a business strategist sitting and looking at the data from the perspective of what were the core business problems that they were looking to solve? What were some of the patterns and trends in the data that they were seeing that would be relevant from a pure business strategy standpoint? And then the idea of the business strategist is also to make sure that we are not making any recommendations that aren't practically feasible because sometimes data will do that. Sometimes if you just look at the data analysis, it'll tell you things that make sense but are hard or impossible to do. So we had that um, great combination of a business strategist and a data scientist working together. And I think for organizations that are looking to do that, that is a very potent combination. Somebody who knows the business in and out, somebody who's thinking of what the outcomes will be, and then somebody who's able to dive into the data, into the algorithms, hands-on keys, and you know, bringing them together is when the magic happens. Yeah, I think you got to another question I was going to ask you, which is about technology and the people, right? So we've got technology over here, we've got people over here, we have to pull them together. Uh, and in one of these, it's like getting the technologist and the person that knows the business together. Are there other organizational things that we should be thinking about as we look to prepare for AI? Or is that just the biggest nut that we have to crack? Well, that is one of the bigger one of the biggest nuts. But I would say there's another aspect. So, and we are seeing this in our organization. So, as we help our clients um, think about how to adopt AI within the way they do their things and in their processes, we have to do the same ourselves, right? Because we have to become an AI-enabled organization, and therefore, the the way we are going about it is, and you'll see this in every organization. There'll be a certain set of early adopters that have taken on the role of using AI to do their job without any sort of organizational mandate. And that is amazing because those are the people that are sort of leading the charge of bringing AI to the organization. Now, the risk there, and there was a report by Salesforce, I think that came out about a couple of weeks ago that talked about how more than half of the people using AI in an organization were using tools that were not approved or could potentially even go against company policy in some cases. So the thing that we are also doing in parallel is as we are identifying these early adopters to say, okay, you are the people that are leading the charge of AI, we are going to equip you with a solid set of policies. And again, policies can't be too prescriptive because this is a new area. We are developing um, ideas and, and, and in some cases, even legislation as we speak. But the idea is we will give you a set of guidelines um, and policies that can then help you figure out how to go about using these AI tools in a way that does not impact or put us as an organization at risk. So I think that is where any organization that look, that's looking to adapt AI, you need to have a clear set of guidelines and policies on what to do, what not to do. If you're working with clients, you know things like putting client data into an open AI interface, that's an absolute no-no. And there's been many, many situations um, where organizations have done that and found themselves in trouble. Creating those policies, identifying those early adopters. And then once we've done that, and that's the process we are undergoing right now, those early adopters become evangelists. Because what they can do is they can say, okay, look, I am doing this and I was doing this job and it previously making it up, taking me 30 hours to do with the help of AI. Now I can do it in 15 hours and the time it spares, it, it frees me up, I can go and do other things. And the reason it, it is effective is because these are the people who are embedded in the day-to-day. -day. 
this is not a top-down mandate that's coming down from the CEO or somebody to say, use AI everybody now, because you know that doesn't work. What does work is when the people that are in the work day-to-day are being given a good set of guidelines and then they're being let loose and then they figure out the efficiencies of using AI in their work, they become the biggest evangelists and their colleagues listen because they respect them, they know them, they know that they are people who are in the work day-to-day and therefore what they're saying makes sense and therefore that spreads the whole AI adoption very, very quickly. So I would say have a clear set of guidelines and policies identify spokes that are your early adopters. There will always be early adopters and then start to use those early adopters as evangelists. The one other benefit that happens through this is because of these early adopters talking to the organization, there's also, of course, the narrative in the press that has been, oh, AI will take away so many jobs or, you know, and this and that and the doomsday scenario. Without going too much down that rabbit hole, I will say that yeah, I'm in a firm. I'm a firm believer of AI will not take people's jobs. In most cases, it'll be somebody using AI will take people's jobs. Uh, I believe in the primacy of uh, humans, and that we still will be needed for a long, long time to come. So when these evangelists are talking to their colleagues, it's a living example of look, it didn't take my job. It just made me more efficient. I am much more effective now. I can do this thing that took me 30 hours and 15 hours now, you can do the same. And that also alleviates a little bit of the fear of the new technology. So I think that's sort of a good uh, mechanism. And I speak from doing this in an organization, in our organization, so it's not something that's theoretical. It's a practical tried and tested methodology. I think you bring up some really good points there around making sure everybody understands, you know, what I would call some of the governance aspects of making sure your data isn't leaking out into public foundation models. That has been a huge issue and a source of concern for a lot of the organizations we speak with. I think one of the good things about that is we're starting to get much better tooling for that. And also to your point, the education of the individuals has actually increased tremendously. The evangelism point is so important, right? Because Part of what makes AI succeed or fail like any other transition is basically the change management aspect of it, right? How do you get people to adopt things? How do you get them to move things forward? And that change management can be very difficult if you don't have both executive commitment uh, from executives doing it, executives funding it, and then also having a wide base of evangelists within a company. So those are two really excellent points from some of the process. On the technology side, you know, it's very exciting and it's, it's going everywhere. <laughs> it seems to be at an accelerated pace. Are there certain things you think people should be looking towards in 24? You know, one of the things we've been talking about is like the governance stack. Do you need governance tools? Is that something you're seeing or what are you talking to people about as you look at building their strategies with them? I am loath to make predictions because, you know, the world can change in a heartbeat, as we all know. But just from where I'm sitting today, I think 2024. The first six to eight months is going to be more about legislation and governance than it is going to be about advancement in LLM. Yes, there's going to be, Google just came out with Gemini a couple of weeks ago, which is its competitor to GPT-4. There's some questions about how real it is, all of that. But there's going to be, there's going to be that kind of advancement. But I think the bigger change we will see is that governments across the world Bill and they already have the EU released a whole uh, set of rules and 
regulations around AI use, which even impacts companies in the US. And of course, the EU is always the first in terms of making all these changes. So my feeling is that the next six months will be a lot about governments getting a handle on, and even the president released the uh, an executive order, I think about a couple of months ago, if I'm not mistaken, around the ethical use of AI. So all of those, many of those are not um, enforceable right now, but I have a feeling that that's going to rapidly change. So the next six months is going to be about, yes, there's going to be advancement in terms of the models, but there will be a general move towards regulation. And in some ways, I see that as a good thing. I know everybody says uh, regulation, uh, but I think it's important, especially for a technology that is this game-changing. We have to have that early sort of guardrails so that we build the right muscle memory rather than 10 years down the line when the horse is already bolted to the barn and then we're figuring out what to do about it. The next six months will be about technological advancement for sure, but greater focus on ethics and governance by governments, and then also greater focus on ethics and governance by companies, because that will help the acceleration of AI. And I also see that as a good sign because most of the other technologies that came and went like Web 3.0 or the metaverse never reached this regulation stage largely, right? Because they were a fad, they came and then some may disagree, but I'll say that they went and they're sort of consigned to the past now. But AI reaching the stage of regulation means that this is something that's here to stay. So that's also a good thing. Um, but that to me is what the next six to eight months the focus will be on. And of course, you never know, there might be a lab somewhere that's working on a completely new technology because even Sam Altman has said that LLMs have an upper limit in terms of how well they can perform. So maybe there's a lab somewhere that's already found the next iteration of the model. We shall see. But I think the next six to eight months is going to be more on regulation, more on ethics, more on promoting the right use of AI and finding business use cases that deliver value to consumers. I'm looking forward to new AI enhanced business use cases myself. I know we've talked a lot about a lot of things and there was a lot of advice that was already given. I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to share on the advice camp. Yes. When we talk about AI and we love the fact that machines are able to do a lot of things, let us not forget at the end of the day that we are still all servicing the human at the other side of the screen, which is your consumer. AI is not an excuse to lose consumer focus. We cannot be running around chasing new fancy technologies because that's what everybody else is doing or that's what we're supposed to do or it makes us look cool or it makes us appear on the front page of so-and-so magazine. All of this has to be in service of making the consumer experience better. It has to be in service of adding value to the lives of the consumer. And that's what we need to absolutely focus on. So to me, I think that's the biggest piece of advice that I would want to share with our listeners. I love that. Bringing it back to the people and what are we trying to do and how AI can serve that. Uh, I always like to leave the audience with a recommendation of something else they could do. Is there a book, a podcast, an activity that you'd like to recommend to the audience? It could be tech-related, could be non-tech-related, just something that you think uh, people should know about. There's a couple of podcasts that I um, listen to. One is, of course, by Lex Friedman. He is a MIT AI researcher, and he has a great um, podcast. He's brought on a number of interesting guests, so I would recommend that as uh, as one to listen there's one by Emerge Technologies. I think that's the name of the company. It's called AI for Business. And again, you know, there's, like you said, there's two kinds of 
the audience that would be listening the business and the technical. So I would say Lex Friedman is more on the technical side of things and AI for business is more on the business side of things in terms of how to apply AI. So those would be sort of the two podcasts that I would think of. And I'm personally a big fan of the MIT Technology Review. I do not miss a single issue digitally first. And uh, they have some very good thought pieces in terms of how AI all from the technical aspect to the ethics to the business, they cover a lot of uh, um, broad range in terms of AI topics. So that would be another resource I would recommend. You know what? You just reminded me. I have to get back on the MIT technical review. I haven't done that in a while. So, you know, I always read it, but like to have a subscription to it, I need to just have another subscription again. I want to thank you so much for your time, Arun, and wishing you a great 2024 and wishing everybody that's listening a great 2024 whenever you hear this and let's go build amazing things thank you maribel thank you for having me and again wishing your listeners a great amazing ai powered 2024 thank you for listening show notes subscription links and additional content can be found at ai with ml.com slash podcasts Until next time, wishing you all the best.